So the next place I was headed was Mongolia, and that turned out to be one of the one of my favorite stops, partly because it was unexpected and partly because it was just so cool. Um, and I had found I had heard about it from a fellow traveler in when I was in Helsinki, and I went out with him for beers on his last night of his around the world trip, and he told me about going to Mongolia and renting a, a jeep with a few other guys and driving out um, on the steppes and staying with the nomads in their gurs, their tents, and he referred to it as a sea of grass, like they would drive around and then just wide open and just endless, endless grass. And I that really um, uh, struck me, that really, uh, I wanted to go there. I don't know why the sea of grass image was so enticing to me, but it was. And then um, I had been reading, uh, well, I was always interested in history, and and at that point in my life, I was particularly interested in the movement of peoples like the Goths and the Vandals and you know where did they come from and why did they move <laughs> um, and uh, like Attila the Hun for example who was kind of in that time frame I think and but then I was reading on my tra- travels I read uh, Poland by Mishner and he starts the book off with uh, the Mongolians um, at the gates of uh, well, the, uh, I don't know if it was the gates of Vienna, but in in in, um, in uh, Poland that they so it wasn't Vienna, but Poland, and um, I just thought that's incredible. I had no idea that the Mongols had come that far west, um, so I was just really curious. And of course, you know Genghis Khan, you always hear about him. So um, yeah, so I, I was really interested in it. So um, I didn't know much about what I was going to do, but I did buy a ticket in uh, Beijing on the train, and uh, it was an overnight train, and um, I uh, I kind of remember, uh, you know, talking it out with the, the people at the uh, train ticket office, you know, just a window at the, at the Beijing ticket office, and there was something about, or I guess in my youth hostel, someone told me about, well, you might have to transfer on trains, and anyway... That sort of became a funny story. So um, anyway, so let's start off here. Um, uh, this is a little bit of uh, – we were talking about being in Beijing. This is like May 18th, 19th kind of thing. Um, okay, so then I, I pick it up. I, I just done the uh, um, the wall, the Great Wall of China, and I was reading when I say, okay, then the travel fund started. The hostel agency said uh, there was only one direct train to Ulaanbaatar, and that was Tuesday. But Tuesday was the wall day. They said there was a train on Wednesday to the border, and then you have to figure out how to go further on your own. I bought this ticket. Bad choice. (laughs) Turns out that train did go all the way to Ulaanbaatar, but... Without me, I met two Israeli guys in the same boat, Tomer and um, Oded. Um, After dicking around with the conductors for two hours while the train stopped at the border, 
we spent the night at a lodge on the border town of Erleon. Dicking around is appropriate because the conductors were pricks. They wouldn't sell us tickets, even though there was room. They acted like they would in between lying about things like we could go um, buy at the ticket office but never did. The head prick said $60 U.S., but wouldn't take the equivalent in Chinese. Prick. (laughs) Anyway, spent today in a minivan packed to the gills with people and boxes um, crossing the border. Then we spent one and a half hours pushing and shoving in line to get the train tickets. That was fun. Everyone cuts, even the little old ladies. And you have to be tough with them, or they will walk all over you. Asia is a tough place. The West has to be prepared. We finally got tickets. Who knows what our seats will be like. We are waiting at the station now. Four hours to go, 15 hours on the train. (laughs) It was 15 hours from Beijing to the border. Beautiful green, low grass plains yesterday. So a few words on that. So um, it was so bizarre because uh, so what happens at the border is the train changes gauges. The, the 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 train tracks have different widths, and the width of the wheels is called the gauge. So um, the tr- the tracks f- from China into Mongolia change width. And so you have to change the train gauges. So what they do is everybody gets out at this border town, in, still in China. And for a couple hours, they, they lift the train off and replace it with the, the narrow, narrower gauge. So the, the cars are the same, but the bottom is uh, the chassis or whatever is, is different. And we just had the wrong tickets. Other, most of the other people on the train had the tickets that continued on the train but you know it's in your Beijing no one speaks English or Israeli or whatever uh, Hebrew so um we didn't know (laughs) so but then we we um this conductor kind of led us around and you know negotiating with us thinking that he would find a way to buy his tickets and and apparently the price was not high enough and then ultimately he had a deal with the with the local uh people in town who you know the taxi driver who ended up taking us to a little tiny crappy little plywood palace where we spent the night and i'm sure he probably made more money from that than from us so you know one of these classic travel things and then so the next day, we had to go to the, the train station in uh, Mongolia. So we crossed the border in this little minivan. So he did help us, you know, figure that out or whatever the taxi driver did. But um, so there, there's this little uh, rectangular, it's like a square building, but it, it was kind of high. It's like two stories high, but no second story. Just imagine a really high ceiling. And um, the line, everybody, there was only one train. So... Everybody wanted to get tickets really badly. So it's all these Mongolians and the line was outside the door and then you get in and the line um, hugged the walls, the, the um, four corner, the four sides of the building on the inside. 
And there was so much jockeying and cutting and pushing and shoving and little old ladies would come up and go right in front of you thinking they could take advantage of you. And after about the third or fourth little old lady, I was like, forget this, man. So I was like elbowing them like they come in and try to work right in front of me and I'd like box them out, you know, and and uh, one of them, I don't know if it was Tomer or Oded, I think it was Oded. He was kind of the cool customer. These guys, these Israeli guys were, you know, from, I don't know, early 20s, just out of the military, pretty tall guys. And anyway, he was kind of like telling me to relax, you know, because I was getting kind of worked up. But, uh, but you know, I wanted on that train. <laughs> so uh, we got our tickets and then we uh, we had a funny uh uh, story out of it. So, um, all right. So back to the, uh, journal entry, um, May 21st through the 23rd. Um, the adventure continues. Me and the Israeli guys made it to Ulan Batar. We stayed in a small room that night at early on a guy at the station helped us. And the next morning at eight, we got in a mini van and waited until nine 30 while they loaded it uh, full with other people, luggage and boxes of fruit. By 12, we had crossed the border and were at the train station on the, Mongol- on the Mongolian side. We had to fight in line for one and a half hours to get our tickets, but we got them. The pushing and shoving and cutting was crazy. The little old ladies were some of the worst offenders. The train ride was easy and we arrived in Ulan at 10 a.m. We had departed at 9.30 p.m. We are in a guest house called UB Guest House. All the guest houses here are in the local apartments. They are all run down from the outside and look the same. The entrances are uh, very unassuming. You would never know a guest house existed. I have been walking uh, to all the guest houses looking for people to join on a Jeep tour. Not many, but I found two French guys, two French guys, Greg and Sebastian. We leave for a 10-day trip tomorrow. We went out the other night with the Israeli guys and some others. We started at Chingis Club, took three local girls with us to Marco Polo, a strip club, dance club, where I met um, Sarnai. Uh, parentheses, Rose, a very beautiful Mongolian woman. Oh, very beautiful. Mongolian women are beautiful and very sexy. (laughs) Uh, Sarnai, a local, not a stripper. It turned into a wild night. We had a blast dancing the night away. She took me to a local after-hours club and then back to her place where we got in a huge argument over the Chinese. Let's just say Mongolians don't like Chinese. <laughs> it was bizarre. Things were going great. And then she flipped out. She was, she was too drunk. I don't even remember how it started. She was fine the next morning, thankfully. Crazy. I'm wiped out. Getting Chinese visa today. And buying groceries for the trip. Watching movies at the hostel and resting. (laughs) Alright, so I'll end this segment and then I'll have a PG-13 segment 
for if anyone what doesn't want to listen to that, they can skip the next one about Sarnai, the Mongolian rose. Okay, so just a warning. Um, this this chapter is PG-13, but um, I think it's kind of a funny story, and it was a very memorable part of my trip. So um, when Tomer and Oded and I got off the train in Ulaanbaatar, from the overnight train, a little tired, got our backpacks, we're walking down the street, dirt road if I remember correctly. Ulaanbaatar is um, not very modern. They had a few modern buildings, but it's mostly dirt roads. Um, the homes are nice. They're wood, but they're small. It's like what I remember kind of from Alaska days. It's just – it's at that stage in its development where – it's kind of like in 1920s, I guess you would say, or, or early 1900s, something like that. I mean, a third of the country is still nomadic, meaning they're out in the uh, on the plains. Um, so you can imagine that the city is not that much more developed. And um, so we get off this, this uh, train and we're walking to... Uh, the city center where they have all these kind of you know high rise like five story eight story uh, Soviet era apartment um, complexes, gray concrete, and we see these Mongolian girls walking you know uh, in front of us towards us, and they are wearing uh, leather high heel leather boots and mini skirts, and they have thick straight black hair and they're beautiful and we're just like we're just our our jaws drop and we're like just staring looking at them and and they look just right back at us they were like fierce (laughs) that word has become all the rage but you know they just looked at us like what are you looking at you know but they, they returned our gazes and um from that moment on i mean i was just like gaga over mongolian women and um they were absolutely stunning and, and what i'll say is they they kind of i mean they were very exotic looking they looked different than um chinese women and um they reminded me of native american women if you think of uh um the women in the um in the southwest uh, navajo or or something like that at uh they had kind of straight noses, you know, not flat noses, um, straight, and they had high cheekbones, and um, you know, their coloring was, you know, anywhere from kind of uh, tan to light, um, and they had beautiful hair, beautiful black hair, I, you know. So anyway, I just thought they were very, very attractive women, and um, so we get to this youth hostel. And uh, there's other people there, and um, I remember in this youth hostel. Yet it was in one of these uh, Soviet-era apartment complexes. And by the way, the you know, Mongolia was a satellite state of the Soviet Union, a protectorate, if you will. You know, the Russians certainly wanted to keep them under their thumb, better than you know they should, could not have been in the the Chinese uh, sphere of influence. That would not have been uh, kosher. But. Um, so, uh, and I remember in this uh, apartment complex, uh, 
the, the youth hostel was like on floor three or something. Um, and I remember these little, we all had to wear uh, sandals. They had um, thongs for or flip-flops, but they were those like ones with the uh, the rubber uh, little beads at the bottom of, the, of your foot. Anyway, I always remember these things. But people would sit in the TV room and talk, and this one guy was saying, hey, hey, there's this um, strip club in downtown um, where the women walk around in, in high heels and nothing else. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, I have to go. <laughs> and so, oh, and it's called the Marco Polo Club. <laughs> so I knew we had to go. And so um, the, um, the night before, I actually went out on my own, and I went to the uh, Chingis Brew Pub. And there was actually, honest to God, there was like a small uh, bar, brew pub, called Chingus, and Chingus is what they call Genghis Khan there. Everything is Chingus. I mean, like um, uh, Salzburg is all about Mozart. Ulaanbaatar is all about Genghis Khan. It's the same thing, but they but it's Chingus. So Chingus is everywhere. So I went to this, the Chingus Brewery, and um, I ended up meeting a couple women there and talking, and, and this one spoke English, and she was married, but her friend wasn't, and her friend, um, we worked at... Uh, we worked it out between the one who spoke English that I would take the friend with me on this 10-day uh, Jeep tour that I was planning. And um, great idea, right? And so uh, anyway, so that the next day, um, I convinced uh, the Israeli guys, Tomer and Oded and a few others, and these two women to go out with us. And we went out and um, – oh, and also Sebastian and um, – um, what was his name? Sebastian. Um, anyway, uh, the other the other French guy, Greg, Greg and Sebastian, and um, we were all we met at Chingus, and then we were going to go out on the town, and we ended up going to Marco Polo Club. So, and this Marco Polo Club was a trip. Like you walk in on the first floor, and it's like this hunting lodge. It's got like heads of animals, and it's got a fireplace, and it's got a bar, and. Um, um, and then you go up these stairs in the back and it's really secretive and, and you opens the door and it's like this strip club and except, you know, yeah, that's true. The women, the women were like just walking around with nothing and high heels and there was a little bar in there. And I remember when I walked in, this woman turned her head and I thought she was really attractive and everything, but I, I figured she was a prostitute. And, um, anyway, we all sit down and, and I've got these women with me and, um, the one who was supposed to go on the, the 10 day thing with me, um, she wasn't happy at all. <laughs> it appeared to me like she was like throwing me these, you know, these, these dagger stares. And, um, I, I was just kind of like, you know, I don't need this, you know, I don't need this at all. So I just got up and I walked over that woman who I'd seen when I walked in and that turned out to be that woman Sarnai. And we ended up having a great time. Like um, we ended up just dancing at that club. So it's like a strip club, but then they'll, it's like everybody dances. And so you, they have a disco ball and they're playing music and everybody's on the floor and the women who are stripping are, are now on the floor dancing with just dancing. But again, they're just in their high heels. And um, anyway, we ended up like kind of hitting it off. Like we really danced well together. In fact, and we like, 
almost closed the place down. And I remember that Tomer and Oded were like, they came up to me and they're like, you guys are great. You guys are really dancing well together. (laughs) And uh, we went to some club after that. She took me to some local place. And it was just, I remember just having so much fun, you know, just like we were dancing and just having a great time. And she didn't speak a lot of English, but enough. So then we go back to her place, which is in a Soviet-era apartment complex. They all are. And um, there's a little corner place, a uh, liquor store. And so before we go up to her apartment, we we get a bottle of vodka, her idea, a small one, like a pint. And we get into her apartment and you know, it's like a one bedroom with, it's like a studio, you know, and um, we, we basically finish the bottle of vodka and we'd already been drinking and we're, uh, we're laying on the bed there and we're, we're naked and, um, uh, you know, she's kind of like on top, like she's on her on her knees and hands, and and uh, we're talking, and 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 she asks me if I like Chinese. How do I feel about the Chinese? And I think I said something like, "Well, I don't have a problem with them, you know. I mean, Chinese, nothing, never did anything wrong to me." And that like flipped the switch, and she was like, just like, "I hate the Chinese." <laughs> She's like, I'm Mongolian girl. I hate the Chinese. <laughs> and she's like, I'm like, oh, um, yeah, okay. <clears throat> you know, I really didn't want to have an argument at that stage in the game. And um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, well. And she's like, you're you're Chinese. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. I'm like, look at me. I'm not Chinese. I'm like, I'm like pasty white. I got blonde hair everywhere. I'm like, I'm not Chinese. She's like. She thinks about it. She's like, your mother's Chinese. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. And then about a minute after that, she just passed out. She just like, boom, like right on top of me, passed out. And I'm just laying there in this Soviet-era apartment complex, like thinking if my friends could see me now, you know. And so she, was, she wasn't a, a heavy person, but dead weight is pretty heavy, so – Anyway, uh, then the next morning she was embarrassed and nice and everything, and it was fine. But that was my little romance with um, uh, Sarnai from uh, uh, Mongolia. Um, And, you know, just just so you know, uh, Mongolian women don't like the Chinese. (laughs) 